<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It's the day after Earth Day, and Scott Pruitt is still in charge at the EPA. Is the planet still there? Are we still doing okay? Hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. Can you believe it? It is Monday, April 23rd. Man, this month of April has flown by, is flying by, not over yet, almost. So good to see you today. Happy, happy Monday and happy uh, day after Earth Day. Also, uh, Big Friday, uh, <clears throat> April 20. Hope you uh, celebrated April 20 uh, the way we did here at the uh, at the Bill Press Show. It still stinks in here. Oh, man, I got to tell you. Mm, I could get high just by breathing the leftover smoke in here. <laughs> Uh, from our uh, special 420 show. Hope you enjoyed it. We are here with you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Coming to you, as always, with all the news of the day, and it is news on many fronts today. Congress back in town, and uh, uh, this is the week. When there's a big vote on Mike Pompeo, will he or will he not become the next Secretary of State? And will Gina Haskell become the next director of the CIA? Uh, he may squeak through. Looks like she may not. He doesn't deserve to squeak through. But uh, after making that uh, secret little trip to North Korea, that may be enough to win him the votes from some reluctant Republicans. Uh, at any rate, we'll bring you up to date on all the news of the day, wherever it's going on. And look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day. We always say you are our most important guests. So let us know what you think about what's going on by sending sending us your comments on Twitter. On Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. You and I, we jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news here on a Monday. So, you know, the biggest pain in the ass when you go buy furniture, Bill, is, of course, putting it together. Like, if you go to Ikea and you get all this stuff, you've got yeah. crap everywhere. You've got pieces everywhere. It takes forever to do it. Well, there are scientists uh, at the uh, Nanyang's Technical University School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering in Singapore. They said that they have created a robot that can put together your furniture for you. In fact, they've already built an IKEA chair in just over eight 
minutes. Mm. It was that easy. Mm. It was that easy. They just laid out all the pieces. The robot is able to identify the pieces that it needs, gets them all together, puts them together for you, and then you don't have to worry about losing parts, putting things together, all of that. So uh, they, it uses a 3D camera and two robotic arms with grippers. And uh, they're able to pick up, put down objects, put it all together. Well, here's the thing. Does it take the pieces out of the box? Okay. Or do you have to do that? I'm glad you asked that. No, it cannot do that. Oh, then, dumb, dumb robots. Yeah. It yeah, cannot do that. That's the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's a big day, not only because there's a lot of news going on, but because it looks like Kate Middleton is about to have her third child. Oh. She is in labor. The... Royal Palace confirmed it early this morning. They said, quote, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cambridge, was admitted to St. Mary's Hospital, Paddington, London, earlier this morning and is in the early stages of labor. So who knows? Maybe by the end of the show today, we'll, uh, we'll have a baby. Keep us up to date. Depends on how uh, Baby watch here. Um, baby, baby watch. I forget. So there's little Prince George, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't keep up with it. Ray must know. They have so two. they well, they have two kids, right? Ray, Boy and a George. Isn't this George? And I think they have a girl too. What's her name? Charlotte. Is it Charlotte? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, man. I can't keep up. Well, come on. You know. Okay. <laughs> I I, th I think I, I know they have two so far. Yeah. All I know. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is three. Uh, one final story. It's Monday, so let's take a look at the box office. Number one in the movie, still again, a quiet place. Number one at the theaters. Rampage was the big blow em up uh, movie featuring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That came in second place. It was very very close. A quiet place pulled in twenty two million. Rampage pulling in twenty one million for the weekend. Who's in quiet place? It's John Krasinski. It's that horror movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is the Bill Press Show. Monsieur Macron arrive aux États-Unis aujourd'hui. What do you say, folks? Everybody, yes, indeed, uh, President Macron arriving today for the first official state visit of the Trump presidency. He, uh, he's got this little bromance going with Donald Trump that I can't understand. I thought the French had more sense uh, than to fall for such a con job, but uh, Macron doesn't seem to have figured that out yet. Maybe he will after a couple of days here up close with Donald Trump. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Monday, April 23rd? So good to see you. It is the Bill Press Show. Welcome to it. And thanks for joining us wherever you are in this great United States of America or around the globe. But we appreciate your joining in, tuning in, joining the conversation as we run you through the hoops, run you through the news of the day on every front. And on every platform that we can, we start out in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, our studio right here on Capitol Hill. But we join you wherever you are in this great land of ours uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, and don't forget that podcast, huh? That podcast is really going gangbusters. Uh, and you can help by uh, joining in and signing up once you do so you become a regular subscriber. So here, here's the thing that, that you really got to know uh, to get involved with our podcast. Uh, you mentioned subscribe. You really got to subscribe because 
Uh, we've recently started putting some stuff out on the weekends. Yeah. And it's hard for you to know about it unless you're subscribed. If you're subscribed, you get little notification when it's out. So, for example, this past weekend, we put up our 420 show. 420 now, show. Now, you can watch the video on Patreon, which is a separate thing. But if you want yeah. to hear it, we put it out as a podcast. So, if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, You'd be able to get it. How's Phone Homie doing, by the way? Is he doing all right? He survived 420. I oh, actually talked I talked to him the day after 420. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Uh, he... Just to make sure he was okay. Phone Homie Boy. is all right. Mm. He's still coughing. I know. Uh, you saw the video, He's doing man. okay now, though, now. He, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> that was a moment. That was a moment. Yeah, that was right. something. Uh, that so, was something. they're online. Uh, also, of course, on television, on Free Speech TV. And how about all you radio junkies out there? and our loyal radio followers for years and years and years on Indiana Talks through the state of Indiana, and especially on WCPT, the great progressive foghorn, I call it, of Chicago, the greater Chicago area. Uh, Great to see you today. Uh, Lots to talk about and a great lineup of guests. Uh, Walker Seward, Graham Weiss will be here, uh, one of our good uh, favorite guests from the uh, New Republic. Democratic strategist Peter Fenn here to take a look at some very interesting developments, particularly on the Senate side in 2018, where a few states that Democrat looks like Democrats didn't have a chance in or might maybe even lose a seat uh, have really turned around, talking about West Virginia, Missouri, and um, Tennessee. Uh, and then from the White House, covering the White House for Politico, uh, Darren Samuelson will be joining us uh, a little bit later as well. So uh, a good lineup today. And uh, a lot of time over the weekend, I don't know about you, but um, uh, she did touch uh, the hearts and souls of all of us, I believe, as First Lady of the United States, uh, may have disagreed with her son's policies and even her husband's policies. But Barbara Bush was, uh, I think, a great person, a great First Lady, uh, and really brought dignity and warmth to that uh, office, plus she had a great sense of humor and a very tart tongue, which she didn't hesitate to use uh, in comments about uh, Donald Trump or anyone else in the political system that she was not particularly fond of. Uh, her funeral carried live. Um, I don't remember, but I guess other, maybe Nancy Reagan's funeral was carried live I as well. I honestly don't but, remember. But, but I thought it was very uh, significant that her funeral was carried live. Uh, on cable television on Saturday, uh, her son Jeb Bush speaking uh, and saying he knows what his mom would want him to want how how his mom would want him to uh, handle that assignment. And I know exactly what she's thinking right now. <coughs> Jeb, keep it short. <laughs> Don't drag this out. People have already heard enough remarks already. And most of all, don't get weepy. Please clap. Don't get, they left that part out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, don't get weepy. Low energy, low energy, Jeb. There. Uh, it was interesting that uh, ABC brought back two people who have uh, covered the White House, uh, interviewed the pre- president and the first lady, um, and, and particularly back in that time, uh, were big stars on ABC. Cookie uh, Roberts, ABC, as well as uh, NPR. Talking about the fact, and I thought this was uh, very impressive, that um, the day before her body lay in state in this uh, church down in Houston, and um, former President George H.W. Bush was there right by the coffin in that church with his daughter, Doro, almost all day long, shaking hands, greeting people, 
who came to to pay their respects to uh, to his wife. Cokie Roberts talking about that. When he sat in that sanctuary for hours, she stood next to him, greeting those thousands of people coming through. What a remarkable gesture, because he knew that was a for another form of public service. He knew that people wanted to see him and wanted to comfort him. And so he put himself there to allow that to happen. And also a blast from the past, Sam Donaldson. Old leather lungs, I used to call him, uh, and uh, defend him for years when I was doing television in Los Angeles and he was covering the White House. Uh, Sam Donaldson talking about the fact that when it was over in 1992, Barbara Bush told her sons, come on, move on, get over it. President Bush was very generous in his uh, congratulations to Bill Clinton. And uh, you see those two boys up there. They didn't want to be congratulatory at all. You could just see them plotting their revenge. And Barbara said, get over it. It's over. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> uh, there were several stories about how uh, that the kids, the, the boys particularly, used to really uh, had a great back and forth uh, with, with their mother uh, and uh, uh, kind of poking fun at each other. Uh, I mentioned uh, end of last week how George W. Bush, President, former President George W. Bush, uh, in the very last time that he saw his mother was there, and the doctor walked in, and his mother said to the doctor, you know why he is the way he is, pointing to her son, and the doctor said, no, and and Mrs. Bush said, that's because I smoke and I drank when I was pregnant with him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. Jesus. <laughs> and, and Bush said the doctor just couldn't believe what he had just heard. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, and uh, the President George W. Bush also, uh, apparently, he would tell this joke at, uh, at, at around the family, and uh, um, his mother loved it. But uh, the story was that when he started painting, and he, was, he started taking some painting lessons, and the, um, uh, so his instructor said, have you, do you know anything about or have you ever worked with uh, the color burnt umber? Uh, and Bush said, no, but I remember that from my mother's cooking. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Barbara loved it. She sure, it of course. A, yeah, it was a funny line. So, at any rate, uh, God rest her soul, Barbara Bush. Uh, boy, big news. Over the, by the way, uh, it is worth noting that um, former President Bill Clinton and former First Lady Hillary Clinton, former President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama, uh, as well, of course, as former President George W. Bush and former First Lady Laura Bush were all there, former President H. W. Bush and First Lady Melania Trump were there. Uh, President Donald Trump, by the way, uh, not only did he not go, probably because he was not invited, it would have been very awkward, but he chose to play golf the time the funeral was taking place. Not only play golf, but tweet, continue his tweeter storm during the time of the funeral, Donald Trump was raining on her parade, basically, by tweeting out ugly comments about, among other things, James Comey and Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. Okay. Yeah. Th- this really I mean, bugs come me. On, like, it's Trump. not so come much that on. I, I. A little I, dignity, huh? Well, I, it's not that you would expect any dignity from him at all, right? But it's also just kind of like he knew that was going on. Of course he did, right? Yeah. And it's just, again, it's got to be well, all about him. He knew what was going on because one of his tweets was about the fact that 
the funeral for Barbara Bush is underway, and First Lady Melania Trump is there representing the American people. So during, so he did one of his tweets was about the funeral, meaning he knew and was probably watching part of it, and all the rest of them. By were, the way, of course he was watching it. Oh, it was on cable news. It of was course on, he watched it. It was on television, right? Yeah, of course he was. Uh, you know, news on an entirely different front that's worth talking about is what's happening with North Korea? I'll tell you. Well, first of all, fact. The fact is that, surprising everybody, uh, Kim Jong-un last week announced suddenly that in anticipation of his meeting, I believe it's this week or soon, with the president of South Korea in the demilitarized zone, um, and in anticipation of his meeting where yet to be determined with President Trump, uh, that Kim Jong-un said he's going to take two big steps, he says, which is going to basically abandon our nuclear program. We pledge there will be no more missile tests. We're going to suspend them, put a freeze on any more missile tests, and we are going to shut down that one big site where they launched their last intercontinental missile. Uh, now, note, <laughs> however, what he is, and, and Donald Trump, of course, praised this right away and says, just proves that I'm winning, just proves that all the, you know, uh, rash rhetoric that I threw his way and all the threats that I threw his way have worked. Look, they're backing away. They're giving up their nuclear weapons program. No, they're not. No. Watch very carefully. What they're doing, what he's doing is just saying, we're not giving up our program. We're just going to suspend things for a while while these talks take place, which indicates to me two things. Number one, that that last test was so successful that they feel they don't have to do another one. And two, indicates that, again, as I've said before, Kim Jong-un is a pretty smart cookie. He is smarter than we gave him credit for. He is playing this summit these two upcoming summits, like a violin and getting maximum PR out of it. Suddenly, suddenly, this nut job from North Korea looks like a statesman. Thank you, Donald Trump. <laughs> Only Donald Trump could make Kim Jong-un look good. Uh, the person who knows more about North Korea, the American who knows more about North Korea than anybody else and who has been there uh, and actually met with the leaders of North Korea and and negotiated with them, uh, is former ambassador to the U.N., former energy secretary uh, Bill Richardson, former governor of uh, New Mexico and a good friend of mine, who said yesterday, you know, don't, 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 put, don't, don't put too much into what Kim Jong-un is saying. He's just, um, again, play, playing the refs, basically. They're gaming, uh, putting the PR out that uh, they're the good guys, that they are willing to make concessions, that... Uh, they're willing to uh, join the international community. Yeah, and um, and also uh, Bill warns that the last thing Donald Trump ought to do is say, oh, we've already won. What I'm concerned about is the president and his administration, you know, getting up and gloating over this, saying it's because of pressure. You know, this is North Korea. They're, this is how they negotiate. Yeah, right. How they but it's very smart on his part to put that out there. Oh, right? completely. Yeah. I mean, look, the lines used to be very clear about, 
you know, in the way that this was covered, who the good guys were and who the bad guys were, right? But, like, we're kind of the bad guys now with Donald Trump, you know? And so he's able to play that. He's able to play that up and work with that. Yeah. You know, and Trump is saying, of course, and everybody, everybody, when they have these summits, particularly with an adversary, the whole plan is and the whole purpose is to bring something back, to be able to come home and say, look, you know, whether it was Ronald Reagan with Gorbachev or, or with uh, Nixon with Khrushchev or whatever, that, look, we met them mano a mano, and look what we got out of them. Look at the concessions that they made. Um, after this, it's going to be hard <laughs> to think of any concession that Donald Trump's going to be able to bring home because, for one thing, there's no way, there's no way that North Korea is going to say, okay, we're going to totally destroy our nuclear weapons program. Um, we'll just take hammers to them, beat them up or whatever, or send them to you, and you can destroy them. Uh, that's not going to happen. We probably get as much as we're going to get out of North Korea before they even sit down to, uh, to talk. You know, one thing not politically re- related, which I wanted to mention, maybe, maybe let's consider this uh, the follow-up to Earth Day. Um, I saw this in the New York Times, mentioned this on Saturday. New York City has a proposal now in front of the city council to ban the sale of disposable plastic bottles entirely. So, all <laughs> you know, you look at any convenience store, right? You look at wow. You look at the, the the coolers and what are they all? That's all plastic water bottles, right? So just is this about just anywhere. for like water bottle drinking water? Is it for like laundry detergent and things like that? Uh, don't know for sure, but I think it's water. The bottles. water bottle thing is I huge. Think, no water bottles. Sure. I'm pretty sure it's sure, water sure, bottles, sure. right? Yeah, not detergent or the other stuff that sure. comes in, but. This would be New York City. If that goes through, and think about it, though. I mean, think about all the plastic. You know, I was, <laughs> Carol and I took a walk down the mall yesterday, and there's some art exhibit on the mall of, of, of kind of funky sculpture, and there was this huge sculpture that was entirely made all of plastic water bottles. You know, just yeah. to make the point, yeah. this is the stuff that's in our rivers, in our streams, in the sewer. I mean, it's just, it's they're all over. You see them all over the place, right? In New York City, if that goes through, which I think would be great, I won't buy them anymore. We'll not buy one. You know, it's so, it's and I so used interesting. To, I never knew. I used to keep, I'd have a couple in the refrigerator for sure. water, and I would just refill them. Sure. And then I think it was our partner, Woody, right, who yeah. said, don't do that because the chemicals. It's bad. Yeah, the BPA the, stuff. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a reusable water bottle guy. I carry my water. Well, you got your thing with I you, got too. My, right. But, you know, like, it's it, it used to be a couple of years ago kind of mocked. And I'm not sure if it started in New York. It probably started in California, actually, where they said no more plastic bags. Right. No more plastic bags. And, and now. That's kind of taken over. It, it has. It's, it's not off. completely around the country yet. But, right. like, it, right. it it's it's definitely spread around. And just use your own bag. And if you don't, yeah. you just have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. At any rate, if New York City goes through with this. It would become only the third city in the country that has banned plastic water bottles. The third city in the country, right? What are the other two? Number one? San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. We got that. <laughs> San Francisco. Is, right. the, is number two in California? Nope. Number two, interesting, Concord, Mass. 
Go sure, figure. go ahead, Concord. Yeah. All right. Concord Mass, right. Go on. A shot heard around the world. <laughs> right. <they're... laughs> anyway, I just want to mention, I think that's, uh, that's a great move, particularly New York City does that. I mean, yeah, that, that, that would be a big bite in the plastic water it's huge. market. I would probably, I mean, it could very well be such a bite that companies would have to stop making plastic bottles. Yeah. If you can't sell them in the New York City market. Yeah. Right? Think I'm just, sure. Now, think about it. Millions and millions every day, I'm sure. Yeah. So, Man. Uh, at any rate. Right. Uh, yes. News on the uh, on the James Comey front, by the way. Yeah, he is out there uh, still uh, hawking his book and uh, and doing very, very well and appearing on every television show that you uh, just about uh, turn on. Uh, but the Republicans got a little too um, <clears throat> smart for their own good. Uh, when it comes to dealing with James Comey, they decided that the one way to prove that his book um, was doesn't tell the full story or the true real story, and the one way maybe to get the focus off his book was not only to uh, uh, yeah to bomb Syria. We know that's what Ainsley Earhart from Fox and Friends suggested, uh, but to get the Justice Department to release the memos that James Comey had written. Remember, he testified about that, that whenever he met with Donald Trump and met him, having a phone call with Donald Trump, he immediately would write out his thoughts about their conversation. Uh, and so Republicans in Congress kept saying, why doesn't the Justice Department release these memos? These memos will, will, will tell the whole truth, and they'll show that Comey is lying about a lot of stuff. Well, Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, um, called their bluff on Thursday. He released the Comey memos. And the Comey memos, as opposed to undercutting what James Comey is saying, the 15 pages of the Comey memos actually reinforce what he's been saying all along. They really, they reflect everything that he told uh, Congress last year when in that now famous testimony before Congress, when he talked about the president demanding a loyalty oath, uh, when he talked about uh, the president um, pressuring him to drop the investigation of Robert of uh, Michael Flynn, uh, but so not only do they reaffirm everything Comey's been saying, but they also they also come up with a couple of uh, a new little tidbits. Uh, first of all, uh, the president's among them preoccupation with the dossier and the secret tape purportedly, you know, with the prostitutes peeing on the bed and Donald Trump getting his rocks off on that. Um, he, he, Comey says that Trump kept coming back to that over and over again. Uh, you know, do I look like I need prostitutes? And Putin said they had the most beautiful prostitutes in the world. Kept talking about that with, uh, with, Michael Pl uh, with uh, James Comey. The other thing that comes out is he said that he had some real problems. He's telling Comey, before he fired Michael Flynn, telling him that he had some real problems with Michael Flynn, questioned his judgment, and even at one point pointed to his head and said, I think this guy's got some problems up here. Trump talking about uh, Michael Flynn. So there's some juicy stuff in, this, uh, in, in these memos. Uh, Republicans now on Capitol Hill are saying uh, they're almost sorry that they asked for those memos because the memos kind of uh, <coughs> kind of backfired. 
they may look they make Comey look more like a even more like a straight shooter uh, than he already does. And if you saw uh, face the nation, not no, not State of the Union yesterday on uh, CNN, uh, or if you didn't see, if you saw, you saw this exchange. If you didn't. You missed an interesting exchange. Kellyanne Conway, I thought they had banned her from CNN. Uh, okay, way. okay. Yeah, I'm Didn't glad they? you brought that up. They did, and yeah. she's been on. I know I saw her last week, not not just what we're about to play from yesterday. I know she yeah. was on last week. And on I know CNN? She, on CNN, and I know she was on the week before that. So she's having a very successful banning. She's showing up a lot. Yeah, I mean, they banned her because she lies. She yeah. lies all the time, right? This is the woman who said, remember— that would, in response to Donald Trump telling lies, that there are alternative facts. Yeah. Right. Early on in the Trump administration. Okay. And and after enough of that, at one point, CNN. So I don't know what happened with CNN, why they decided to put her on, because she's terrible, terrible. Uh, but from Donald, Donald Trump's point of view, she lies. So here's the story. We know that her husband, who's a, some big attorney, a big attorney here in, in town, um, Tweets a lot. And he tweets a lot of critical stuff about Donald Trump, her boss. And one of the points he makes was that Donald Trump undercuts his staff, doesn't listen to his staff, attacks his staff and his people, like he does Jeff Sessions, for example, all the time. Uh, And basically, people in the White House can't trust him, which is significant when you know that his wife not only works in the White House, but is one of Donald Trump's top advisors. So for Kellyanne Conway to be at Donald Trump's side and for her husband to be one of his chief critics on Twitter, that's fair to ask what the hell is going on. For Kellyanne Conway, she is offended that Dana Bash, sitting in for Jake Tapper, would dare ask her that question. Here's a little bit of their exchange. It's fascinating to me that CNN would go there, that it's now, excuse me, that it's now fair game what people's, um, how people's spouses and significant others may differ with them. I'm really surprised, but very, in some ways, relieved and gratified to see that. That should really be fun. No, I I actually, first of all, I would ask that if you were a man and your wife would. A thousand percent I would. No, 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 no. And it's not about that. It's about, it's about, it's about, Questioning, uh, publicly questioning what you are doing for a living in, with regard to your boss. And it has nothing to do no, with your and gender. and it has nothing and it to has... do with my spouse. You know, so she actually said, uh, and a little bit later in this thing, that this was a sexist question, a sexist comment to ask her that question. I mean, that is the refuge of a scoundrel, right, to say, oh, I'm a woman. How dare you ask me a tough question, you sexist? What do you mean? She's, you know, can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? That's what Harry Truman said. And and also, as Ray just pointed out, what's the difference between that and what Donald Trump did with Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton during the campaign? Excuse me, what what Kellyanne Conway has said about. What Kellyanne Conway has said about, right. You can't trust Hillary because she enabled Bill, right, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, no, they use that all the time. It's a legitimate question. Hey, you're Donald Trump's top advisor, and your husband is saying that people in the White House can't trust Donald Trump. Uh, damn right that's news. And by the way, 
if she were a guy and her his wife were out there saying you can't believe him, you can't trust him, right? That would be news. That's as well. also news. Yeah. That's also news. Yes. But to take this high horse stand, how dare you? Ask me a tough question. The way that she starts but, out here, by the way. It's you know, fascinating to me that CNN would go there. It's just it's just like it's so classic out of a playbook of oh, I am I am shocked that you would go to this. I'm shocked yeah. that you would take this this action. This yeah. is I'm I'm personally offended. But like you've done and said some of the most horrible things we've ever seen in politics. Right. And by the way, just uh I, I think uh um, maybe a little self-serving here, but I do recall that there are times in the past when we called out Hillary Clinton when she sort of went down that road that some people, that some of the legitimate, like Bernie Sanders, legitimate criticism of her were sexist. No, it wasn't. It was based on policy. And I also recall calling out Barack Obama during the 2008 campaign when some of the criticism of Hillary Clinton was leveled against him and they called it racist. And I kept, no, it wasn't. It was a legitimate question of a candidate on a matter of policy. So throwing these terms around, I think we all have to be careful for that. But Kellyanne Conway, the worst yesterday. Hey, time to move on here. Graham Vice standing by from New Republic to join us. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back. Continue our conversation. Your comments always welcome on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Monday, April 23rd, how about it? Great to see you today, and um, welcome to the program. As we come to you live again from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yes, indeed, those good men and women, great men and women, of our fire departments across the land. You see them, they're in your neighborhood, they come running by. Uh, they are, they never let us down. On the front lines, protecting American families every day. We salute them for their good work, for taking care of us, and for our their sponsorship of the program. Check out their website at iaff.org, all under President Harold Sheetberger. And joining us in studio from the New Republic, good friend, uh, Graham Vice coming to Washington, D.C. by way of Commonwealth. It's not the Commonwealth. It's the state. It? It's the no, great the state. Plantation. What, the, oh, the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantation. And Providence Plantation. Yes. That's we, what it is. The, the smallest state Graham with the Vice. longest name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. exactly right. <laughs> and controversial because apparently the reference to plantation is not actually a reference to a slave plantation, but people think it is. It's a very long, oh, complicated boy. story, which your national audience is probably not that interested in. I'm so sorry. good morning. I'm sorry I mentioned it. Hello. <laughs> uh, uh, it's good to see you. Uh, yep, we've been uh, stirring up a little dust so far this morning, Peter. Indeed, we are on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. First of all, Bill, yes, a couple of comments about uh, the story about New York State trying to ban... Uh, City. Uh, or New York City. Yeah. Uh, trying to ban water bottles pointed out that in New York State, many water bottles are returnable and you get a five-cent deposit. So it's similar to what we mentioned with the plastic bag thing. Like you pay to use the plastic bag. They'll pay you back if you recycle the plastic water bottle. But just pointing out that that's, that's easier for some well, people. Now that, but now they're saying Now they're saying not at all. Yes, right. right. Uh, Missy says... Because a be- lot of people don't recycle. That's right. Uh, Missy said, wouldn't it be great if every state banned plastic? Our country be on a better road for our climate. Hashtag a girl can dream. Yes, Missy. You, it, is a, it is a pipe dream for now with Donald Trump in It's charge. the greatest threat to marine life today. Mm. Yeah. 
These, totally. You know, these rings, like the bottles come oh, in, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get their neck caught on it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, those bags, I mean, they look like jellyfish and... And then they eat them. Yeah, they eat them. Kill them. Oh, God. Uh, our buddy Romaine out in Chicago says Kellyanne Conway is a ghoul. She probably had a creepy smirk on her face while she was spinning that <laughs> yarn, which she knew was false. Uh, and uh, another commenter says Kellyanne Conway is such an embarrassment, just like Trump. She's doing nothing for women but embarrassing us females. She is laughable. Find us on Twitter at BP Show where you can uh, chime in on any topic. At any time. So, in the spirit of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) People getting up on a Monday morning, man. (laughs) People. Yeah. Yeah, They're raring to go. Uh, Here's one of my favorite stories of the weekend, Graham, which is um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions says, he sort of threw a wrench into everything, apparently telling the White House, if you fire Rod Rosenstein, I'm going to quit. I, I was thinking about this, that, you know, there's this uh, meme on, on Twitter that everyone talks about of so-and-so is good now. So we've now we've now reached a point where, you know, for, from the perspective of liberals and Democrats, Jeff Sessions is good now, right? Yeah. Which is not, of course, not true at all. But, but right. you know, but yeah. in terms of, like, we, you know, the, he, he's now the one who seems to be saying, if you make this choice, you know, there will be some repercussions for you. <laughs> right. And, and I guess by extension, if you fire Robert Mueller, I'd right. have to quit. Yeah. Too, right? I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he so and the reporting is that Trump has been frustrated with Sessions for a while, right? Starting with the decision to recuse himself. And he's made it very clear. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, what what's your read on? Uh, do you think it will make a difference, uh, you know, to Trump? Does he think? No, it- but it, it's sort of um, what I like about it, it kind of turns the tables on Trump. Right. You know, because he was the one who's saying. Uh, terrible, disgraceful. He called his uh, his the fact that he hasn't launched an investigation of mm-hmm. Hillary uh, as if we needed another investigation of Hillary. Whatever. I mean, Trump's always going out after after Sessions, sort of indicating. I like well, he said, "I wish I had somebody else. I yeah. would never have hired I him would, if I knew he was going to recuse that. Yeah. him." Right. I think it's clear he'd rather have another attorney general. He'd like to fire him, but he hasn't. Now, for Sessions to turn the tables. And I say, mean, imagine, if you do this, I'm going to quit. I mean, imagine you're you're the attorney general of the United States, and like you know, you have to basically endure the president saying, "Boy, if I had known, right, <laughs> I would have gone in a I different never, direction on that I, one." I never would have given. <laughs> yeah, you. So, yeah. I mean. it must it, it, it must make their meetings whenever they meet pretty yeah. awkward, right? Yeah, no, there's no question. Um, and everyone, you know, Nikki Haley is is now uh, putting some p- sort of uh, very clear oh, yeah. distance between herself and and the president. So it, you know, everybody everybody uh, you know seems to be uh, you know bucking the guy. But uh, talk about what although they no say one leaves a constitutional crisis. If he were to fire Rosenstein, yeah, and then Sessions resigns, then you know other people will resign. And oh yeah, he, I mean it could be Dominoes. it could make the Saturday Night Massacre look like um, look tame. You know, yeah, and that's why I, you know, it, it's an interesting. I mean, uh, progressive activists for a long while now have been preparing for what you know, a, a street action and and sort of mobilizing if if these firings take place because it's you know on some level you know it, before there's a um, a new a new 
you know, election, you know, the the, the, the the sort of only immediate thing that, you know, the left will be able to do is just sort of rally and make noise about it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think it's interesting that, the, you know, here's this sort of obscure, uh, I, you know, decision to fire Rosenstein that they're trying to sort of remind people why that matters you, and sort of whip them up so that, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. There's a podcast which I highly recommend everybody listens to, uh, besides ours, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, called mm-hmm. Slow Burn, uh, all about Watergate. And again, th- there's so many lessons to take away from that and certainly how it compares to today. But first of all, Watergate took a long time, mm-hmm. right? And people forget I, I think people forget that. But also I think a thing that a lot of people forget is Watergate just kind of happened by dumb luck. And it really took, a, I mean, there was a lot of work obviously that went into it, don't get me wrong, but like, to get some Republicans to go against Richard Nixon at the time, we, they were in sort of a similar situation. And some Republicans finally just had to say, this is too much. Right. Like, we would like to have a career after this. We would like to be able to move forward. And so we have to, uh, like, honestly go out there yeah. and say, we need to hold the president accountable. For, like, who's going to do that today? It, it's really unclear. I mean, I, I have two thoughts on that. One is that... I worry that in the age of conservative media, which was yeah. not, you know, that, that makes it different than Watergate. And so you, 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 you wonder if maybe some of those Republicans that finally came forward in the Nixon era, that they, they you know, you wonder if they would now, you know, given the sort of uh, right. the, the blowback that would come from the pro-Trump media, from Fox and from Breitbart and from, you know, all the rest. The second question is, you know, I, I, I guess I have always... Uh, you know, this the past year and a half thought that there, there, there would be some sort of um, long term benefit from a Republican who decided really to to be a hero and to sort of you know st- someone maybe someone who wasn't up for reelection you know in the next uh, cycle um, and to sort of make a bet on really being you know aggressively anti Trump uh, you know if only because presumably that there will come a time when we will look back on all of these years and say boy. You know that was a disaster. <laughs> you know the Republican Party really went off the rails. But you know, I guess I, you know I've been wrong about that so far. By, the, it, by it, the way, well, look, it could know. have been Bob Corker, but right. he 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 is un- incapable of doing that. Apparently, right. That's he keeps. Right. And then Jeff Flake, but, the right. same thing. Who came as close to anybody, but then Jeff Flake turns around and yeah, votes for anything. He votes for Donald everything. Right. right. But so. like to your point, everybody that could come out, like again, to to, to beat this point home, right, with Watergate. Walter Cronkite came out and just kind of said, this is too much. We've gone on. This has gone on far enough. We need to just shut this down. And American people go, holy crap. Yeah. We need to do that. Now, who could come out today and say that and actually survive not getting completely smeared or being called fake news or people talking about what a goofball he or she is? You know, like Trump would be on Twitter saying, this person sucks. And all of the MAGA chuds would, would immediately would believe, believe that. Right, believe yeah. exactly. I don't know one Republican other than possibly John McCain. I was about to say. Who could who, do it. You know, but who, 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 but even still, so many of the Trump people hate John McCain. I know, I know. But, I mean, I think the American people might accept it from John McCain. Yeah. Again, the problem is John McCain is now sidelined and may right. not be coming back. That's right. Right. Uh, and even John McCain, <laughs> who has been critical— um, hasn't ha, hasn't been in the way that you'd hope. Hasn't broken you know, on you, everything. No, you know, no, no. He's, and, he he'll then he'll come around and support Trump right. or something. Right. 
Uh, tomorrow, big day in Arizona. Yeah, another election. Democrat. Yeah, right. <laughs> another special. Democrats are hoping to uh, pull off a repeat of Pennsylvania 18. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been looking at this. What do you find? So uh, just to remind uh, our audience, this is the uh, Arizona 8th congressional district. This is the district where um, Trent Franks was forced to uh, resign uh, after uh, sexual misconduct uh, allegations. And uh, tomorrow the face-off is between the Democrat Hiral Tipperneni, who is a, this uh, Indian-born emergency room doctor and cancer research ad advocate, um, young mother, uh, you know, uh, sort of mainstream Democratic candidate, uh, you know, not not a not a Bernie progressive, but but certainly, uh, you know, uh, someone who uh, supports a public option and and, uh, and, yeah. and would be a, and would be a, a, a striking Democratic voice considering this district is the uh, the political base of Sh uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, you know, a very conservative uh, area. Uh, the Republican nominee is this woman, Debbie Lesko, uh, a kind of uh, Betsy DeVos like figure uh, who has championed school vouchers, private school vouchers across uh, Arizona uh, and is, you know, loves Trump. You know, she def definitely a, uh, you know, a MAGA Republican. Mm. Um, and what's interesting about getting ready to watch the returns tomorrow is that there are two polls uh, that show the race tied. There's a there's a poll from Emerson College in Boston uh, that, that showed that. Um, and also Celinda Lake of uh, the Lake uh, Research mm -hmm. Progressive pollster uh, that she had a poll that also I guess had been an internal poll, which they then wanted to show people uh, yeah. that, that shows the race tied. You know, I'm uh, I'm skeptical. You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think it would be an extraordinary achievement, you know, for for the Democratic candidate to to win um, in that district. Again, this is a district that Trump won by, I, I believe, 20 or more points. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe Arpaio's political base. But if it is close or certainly if uh, the Democrat ekes out a win, it's bigger than Connor Lamb. It's 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 arguably the biggest victory so far. You know, and it will mean that not only is there a wave coming, there's like a tidal wave potentially yeah. coming. Uh, it's interesting that this one, um, for all the reasons you stated, still has not received the uh, national publicity that Connor Lamb did. Right. It's interesting. Why? In the past— Because people just consider Arizona as being red, red, red. I have a, I have a couple theories on that. One is, um, and I should say that in the past few weeks, you've started to see national groups— get a little bit more focused on it. I've started to see, um, you know, national Democratic figures, people like Neera Tandon from the Center for American mm -hmm. Progress, who are all of a sudden tweeting about the race more um, in this final month. Uh, I, you know, on the one hand, it could be that they figure this is probably not going to go our way. And so we shouldn't, you know, hype it too much. I also think about how some of the successful uh, races in the past year have been successful because they weren't nationalized as much as, uh, you know, mm -hmm. th they could mm -hmm. be. And so maybe what they're thinking is, you know, s let the let the t uh, Tipper Nanny campaign do its thing. Uh, maybe we come in at the end here with some 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 money and some uh, some tr boots on the ground. Uh, but that essentially it's better, f you know, for 
for the Democrats if the race doesn't become a big, uh, you know, national story. And by the way, I, I would believe that because Debbie Lesko, the Republican, ha- her whole closing message has been, you know, there are these lefty, left wing outside groups from New York who are coming in and these people don't share our values. And, you know, she, essentially she's saying the Democratic candidate is a puppet of, you know, George Soros or whoever. So th- that would play into you know the messaging that the Republicans are using, right? And um, my uh, the little bit I've read about it, uh, the Republicans see this would be a monumental embarrassment, right? Yes, and have poured a lot of money in. I've I've read that too, and and and, uh, and have Democrats done the same? I I don't haven't looked at the numbers to be honest in terms of national uh, uh, Democratic Just, and progressive groups. I, again, I I have noticed that in the past month, uh, you know, as the race has wound down, there seems to be more attention from the national level. I mean, I agree. When I I wrote uh, my two pieces uh, or my first piece about this story, I think a, a couple of months ago, and no one was writing about. It. I mean, I think you know I don't. I don't know this definitively, but I think I may have written the first big national story about it. This is just a few months ago, yeah. so. Well, it's your day tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Yeah. Time to shine. <laughs> own it. Yeah. Own it. Right. Uh, um, we we talked earlier uh, about the funeral service uh, Saturday for former First Lady uh, Barbara, uh, Barbara Bush. Bush. Um, her son, uh, George W. Bush, there. Uh, we remember when he campaigned for president as a compassionate conservative. Yes. That's a <laughs> phrase we have not heard for a long time and may never hear again. Yeah. No, I I uh, I I wrote. And you've been writing about. I that. did. I, I I was thinking about the 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 Bush campaign in two thousand. Um, here in Washington, the American Enterprise Institute, uh, which is a conservative think tank here, somewhat randomly had this panel discussion about. You know, just like a few, uh, I guess it was a few weeks or months ago, about compassionate conservatism and can it make a return? And I was just struck by, you know, that seems so far away from where we are today. You know, and I was almost surprised that even a think tank would would entertain that idea. Um, You know, uh, I think we should point out that when Bush ran in 2000... When you think about compassionate conservative, you don't immediately think about Donald Trump. (laughs) You do not. You do not. And to their credit, (laughs) many of the conservatives who who appeared at this AEI event also agreed with that. (laughs) They they feel like, you know, they have no illusions. But um, but no, I mean, what what I think is significant about the Bush campaign in 2000 is that... um, for all, it would be, you know, at the risk of sort of making too much of uh, the compassionate conservatism branding, which in many ways was uh, was just sort of um, uh, the policy w- w- was not that different from Reaganism or sort of standard issue conservative orthodoxy. But it was a, a politics that uh, was more inclusive toward immigrants um, that believed in a role for the federal government uh, in terms of, um, you know, helping the poor, you know, or at least or at least that was what they were you know saying it would do um and and there was a there was an attempt at least a rhetorical attempt by the bush campaign to kind of um yeah to to, to sort of uh position the republican party as as a you know and uh, you know helping the downtrodden and and, it, and again I, i'm not i'm not here to say that that uh you know is what the policies actually would have done yeah, um, but right. i think that the, the notion well, that the particularly on immigration and sort of diversity the fact that the republican party both 
abandoned the Bush compassionate conservatism approach. And also after the 2012 election, uh, your audience will remember that Reince Priebus and the RNC did this autopsy, you know, which was meant to sort of uh, reorient the party towards a more forward looking, optimistic, you know, inclusive, tolerant, all these all these uh, all these words. And it and basically, you know, they abandoned know. it because it turned out that the guy who actually got elected president got elected on a kind of white grievance politics that threw all that to the way by the wayside totally (laughs) totally contradicted what they found in their autopsy yeah uh but then the the question is um and i remember by the way maybe before he announced or right after he announced when he was uh, still governor of of uh of texas that george w bush um, criticized the Republicans in Congress Correct. for what he said, trying to balance their budget on the backs of the poor. Yes, I mean Bernie Sanders could not have said it better, right? Right, or, and 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 again, you know, uh, we could but, we could have a debate about you know Bush's policies and how they affected the poor, but the fact is, again, he was he was vying to be p- part of that conversation as to as to as to right. help the poor, yeah. and 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 you know that was that line in particular no. was sort of a opposition but to on the Gingrich. point on the point of. Do they ever come back? Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, my 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 belief is that is history. It ain't never that that, that Republican Party is done, gone, buried, uh, and will never come back. The the party today is the first of all that party also we must say created Donald Trump. I mean, they paved the way for mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Right. He is the extension of what that party became. But today, certainly, the Republican Party is the party of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those people who might have considered themselves, I mean, whatever mainstream Republicans or compassion conservatives, they're gone. They're you, history. You know, I used to think, by the way, that there was going to be room for a John Huntsman. I've mentioned this before, yeah. right? Like when John Huntsman ran, I said, okay, yeah. if the Republicans just wait yeah. out this Tea Party wave, yeah. it's going to go away. They're going to realize that they can't actually govern that way. And then here comes a, a smart thinking Republican like John Huntsman, he could be president in a couple of years. And I don't think that anymore. (laughs) I don't think that anymore. And what's interesting is that the people who rejected compassionate conservatism were not the elites in Washington. It was the rank and file voters. It turned out that the people, you know, the compassionate conservatism was something that was whipped up by, you know, Michael Gerson and 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 Bush's strategists and people at think tanks like the American Enterprise Institute. You know, so I'm look. I mean, uh, far be it for me to sort of uh, you know yeah. tout the establishment, but it turned out that the the rank and file, the real Republican voters across the country, they wanted, they were more interested in what was Trump was selling than uh- in. Right. Compassionate now, now, one person who's sort of caught in between this, by the way, is Mitt Romney. True. Okay, so here's Mr. Spavishman, who mm-hmm. who gave the most critical speech of anybody during the primary against Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, even though he wasn't running. And um, he goes before the Utah Republican Party <laughs> over the weekend uh, thinking he could get sixty percent of the votes and therefore not have a primary challenge uh, to take uh, in the in the campaign to take replace Orrin Hatch, and the Republicans in Utah basically said, "No, we don't want you back." Right? The the challenger Stunning. got more votes than he did. Yeah, a higher percentage of votes than he. Yeah, yeah, more votes than he did. So Mitt Romney struggling to fight com- fight his way back, even in who Utah, was once the presidential nominee of the party. That's right. Can't get the nomination yeah. for U.S. Senate. Uh, without having to really fight for it. 
Yeah. I love it. I, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I love it. Right. And Mitt Romney, you know, now is is basically make it nice to Donald Trump. I know. It's uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm on the record, uh, you know, I should own this. I, I even when when he announced for Senate, you know, I sort of thought, boy, you know, maybe this could be good for the country. Maybe he'll be the maybe he'll be the guy who will finally stand up to Trump. Right. But right. I don't know. I'm not I'm not making any predictions anymore. You know, we'll, we'll see, you know. Um, no, everybody thought that he might come forward and be now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if we have to get the party back on track or something on like immigration, that is not his he's message. reminding everyone. Oh, I'm actually more yeah. conservative than Trump on immigration. You know? Right. So he wants to uh, self deportation. It's just it's just unbelievable. Right. All right. So, so we'll, we'll see. Hey, Graham, great to see you. Great as to see you too. always. Uh, Graham walks walks out with a copy of from the left. Life in, a life in the crossfire. Uh, so if you haven't gotten yours yet, check out our website at BillPressShow.com. The book is out. Number seven on the Washington Post bestseller list. Congratulations. So um, it's a great fun, great fun read. Uh, you will enjoy it as well. And Graham's good to have you back. Thank you. And Peter Fenn joins us this next, Democratic Strategist. Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The day after Earth Day, but Donald, but uh, Scott Pruitt is still at EPA. Can the planet survive? What do you say, everybody? Here we are on a Monday, Monday, April 23rd. Hope you had a great weekend and are uh, all set to dive back into another big week with another big load of news to cover here. That's what we do on the Bill Press Show for uh, two hours every morning. Get you started by bringing you up to date on the news of the day. Uh, the insights uh, from our uh, guests and from all of you. We put it all together, and that is the Bill Press Show coming to you live coast to coast on the radio and television and online as well. A lot's going on today. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, arriving in Washington, D.C., for the first official state visit of the uh, Trump administration, uh, the two presidents will have dinner tonight at Mount Vernon uh, with the spirit of the first president of the United States hovering over over them. And then tomorrow night is a state dinner at the White House in the state dining room. It's going to be, uh, which only holds 150 people. It's going to be a relatively small event. Uh, not one Democrat has been invited and not one member of the media. This is, uh, this is Donald Trump is not really trying to reach out and show any uh, <coughs> national spirit here. It's going to be all his uh, <coughs> right-wing friends and staffers from the, uh, from, from the White House. That's petty, man. Really petty, but typical Donald Trump. Uh, anyhow, 
all the news of the day coming up. Peter Finn will be joining us, Democratic strategist, as a friend to Bill this hour. And we want to hear from you. Your comments always welcome on Twitter. Look forward to hearing from you. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. It feels like we do this story a couple times a year, Bill, but the oldest person in the world has died. Oh. We go to Japan where we say farewell to the oldest person in the world, uh, Nabi Tajima. She died at the age of 117. She was a great, great great-grandmother. Now, she'd only been the oldest person in the world for about four months because the previous oldest person in the whole world died in Jamaica at the age of 117. So... Uh, so she was 117? She was 117, too? and like after the oldest person in the world died, she then became... Now, the oldest man in the world still is alive, actually, in Japan. He's 112. So uh, she was the he oldest five person. more years. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a spring chicken <laughs> before yeah. he gets to that. So 117. Uh, by the way, if you want to live. I wonder what's on his bucket list. I, probably not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's probably done. I hope he's done a lot. They didn't ask her what the secret to her longevity was, by the way. But there is a new study oh, published. In, ask that. I know. There's a new study published in the journal Circulation that says that if you want to live a longer and healthier life, you can use the Mediterranean diet or a vegetarian diet. They are now saying that the vegetarian oh, diet. I'd rather die early. <laughs> the vegetarian diet is the best diet for heart health, weight loss, and longevity. Things like that. So if you want to be a veg or if you want to live long, just maybe look at being a vegetarian. Oh, I, there's so much wrong with that. I just don't believe it, number one. Yeah. Don't, don't believe it. All right. Just I put, mean, just put I, it out there. Okay. Through my life, I've had a lot of different doctors. Not one doctor has told me you should be a vegetarian. You should be a vegetarian. You, yeah. To, to really take care of your health, you should be a vegetarian. I mean, pay attention to how much it. meat you're eating, for sure. Yeah. But, like, yeah. vegetarianism, that's a, that's a real commitment. So you just, you're, you just don't believe it? No. All right. Plus, I like fish. I like uh, chicken. And once in a while. Once I, in a while. I, I very seldom order steak anymore. But. I don't eat red meat except for just like 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 you said. like very But if I meat. can't eat a hot dog, I'll die tomorrow. <laughs> you, you choose that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So I report you decide. It sounds like you've already decided. I've, I've decided, man. All right. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, he arrives today for the first state visit under the uh, Trump administration. And Donald Trump is showing his spirit by having a big dinner at the White House where he has not invited one Democrat and not one member of the media. No enemies of the state allowed at this state dinner. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you. What a petty man. It is Monday, April 23rd. This is the Bill Press Show. So good to see you. Um, welcome to the program as we bring you up to date on all the news of the day uh, and join you everywhere in this great land of ours online, on the radio, and on television. Uh, and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day by sending us your comments on Twitter 
at BP Show. Joining us here to help us through the hour as a friend of Bill, our good friend, Democratic strategist, Peter Fenn. Hello, Peter. Great to be here. How are you? Everything good? Everything is very good. We uh, hear that. uh, Peter, do we have an update on the princess? No, no, no update yet. We're on no, baby no, no, watch no here. Well, I understand that. I just yeah. had a grandson, and uh, that's why I you missed have... your book party because hey, uh, my all right. my, uh, my grandson was born uh, precisely uh, when you were having your book party. So it was a lot of action <laughs> in our household. Well, I'd have to say I think you have your priorities. Together, right? <laughs> Congrats! Is this number cool. one. This is the second grandchild. Actually. Second. Yeah. 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 All so right. We're pretty happy. Good for you. Congratulations. And I'm really looking forward to going to this state dinner tonight. You oh, know? yeah, I bet. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, tomorrow I, night. I, I, tomorrow. Well, tonight you know, they the, have dinner at Mount Vernon, and then tomorrow night's well, a state right. dinner. Well, that's right. Well, I got but, it confused. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this gate crashers, that's happened before. What the heck? <laughs> oh, well try it out. The Salahis. <laughs> the Salahis. Yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I forget which state dinner that was. but they. I think it was the first one that, that, the, uh, uh, that the Obamas had. Yeah. Where they had a big tent in the uh, yeah, and they had a social secretary who wasn't paying much attention to what was going on. The difference on, is the difference is under Donald Trump's presidency, they they could actually be invited. They just invite the celebrities. That's right. They, they won't they have to fit crash. in. Yeah, you know, exactly. Celebrity apprentice, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, Peter! So much to talk about. Where do we start? Where do we start? I want to start with something that uh, has I haven't heard anybody else talk about, but. Um, you know, Tom Harkin, famously, is a state, uh, our yeah, great friend, Tom a U.S. Harkin. senator from Iowa, always had this big steak fry every right, year, every right. year, steak fry. Yep. And particularly around election year, that was when all the p- 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 potential, potential presidential candidates would come. Yep. Uh, on the East Coast version of that in the South, James Clyburn, the whip, has his fish fry right. every year. And this last weekend, he had his fish fry. And he said something very interesting. He said that if the Democrats do not take back control of the House, he thinks the entire ex- leadership, Nancy Pelosi, right. Steny Hoyer, and James Clyburn, ought to step down and let the younger generation take over. Standing by his side while he said that was Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible message, I think. Of course, Tim Ryan was the man who challenged Nancy Pelosi yeah, uh, in the last one, and has announced, by the way, that he's not going to do that. Again. Not going to do it again, right? But um, to but say ja- that for James Clyburn, for, who's yeah. the same age as Nancy, he's Pelosi, seventy-seven. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was sort of surprised by that. I, I, I've known Clyburn a long, long time. He was uh, he's great. I he love was him. the love uh, first delegate for Frank Church for president of the United States in nineteen seventy-six. How's that for trivia? Was he for really? You? He oh. really was from South Carolina. Huh. And uh, and his brother is also good, was a good friend, and uh, you know I think that he in, he recognizes that there are a lot of very talented young people out there that uh, that uh, that are on the rise, and and I also think he's sending a message to Democrats too, which is look, let's get your act together. I mean, you know, we can talk all we want, Bill, about 2020. That's always the parlor room discussion about how to beat. This insane guy who I can't even call a president because he doesn't fit them. You know, he's not a president. But uh, we got to we got to win in 2018, and we've got to be very disciplined about it, and we've got to be very serious about it. And I think Clyburn recognizes that. Right. Uh, what's interesting in the message too is he. So he's saying, if we don't win, then the leadership should step down. 
He sort of implies that if we win, <laughs> maybe not. We're staying. <laughs> Could be. Which Could be. I know uh, a lot of Democrats in the House don't. They think there should be a change regardless of what happens. Well, and you know this much better than I, but, uh, I, you know, politics is a very funny business, very fickle business. Things change very rapidly, as we discovered by Ryan's decision, you know, not, not to run for speaker, not to run for reelection. Um, he may have his goals set on something higher. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, money maybe. I don't know. I think he's got a lot of money, I thought. No, he's yeah. No, he, no, he could run for president of the United exactly. States. Exactly. Yeah, no so, kidding. I mean, you know, he he, he got a he's big, ta- he has He is talking about that. Yeah, I think that's right. And he got a big kick out of running for vice president. I mean, he thought that was a lot of fun. So, But at any rate, I, I you know, it seems to me the other thing that could happen is, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the leadership could uh, raise the kind of money which they have always raised even more for this and, and campaign all around the country in these key districts that, that they can help in. And we take over the House and they step down anyway. They say, okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's we time. Deli- we delivered. We delivered. Yeah. We did it. So, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I do think that we need to get that House back because we don't have the power of investigations of this crowd. I mean, we leave it. The press has to do it. There are a few folks that are making noises about it, but we don't have that gavel. We need that gavel to look into the corruption that is going on in almost every single federal department, let alone within the White House. And look at, for example, the House Intelligence Committee just fell apart, right? Right, Totally. And and they they should really be boring down. And if Schiff were the chairman of that committee, oh, oh. It would yeah. be unbelievable. Right. He would have run circles around Robert Mueller. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you mentioned the, the, the House. I want to talk more about the House, but I want to start off with because people feel relatively good about the chances, not not right. a done deal, the chances right. in the House. Not so good about the chances in the Senate. But um, there have been a few little things happening in some states that may improve those chances. Yep. That's what I want to get at. Yep. Uh, let's start with West Virginia. Yep. Now, Joe Manchin, they thought, well, we, we can, maybe we might be able to knock him off. And so they're looking for a Republican candidate. How are they doing uh, in West Virginia? I think they should go with the ex-convict. I think they should go with Mr. Blankenship, who is one of the most despicable characters in American life, let alone American politics. Yeah. And, and he very well might win that Republican primary. Yeah. And, that's, uh, that, and the Republicans are scared to death, of course. It of looks it. like they can't stop him. He's got all the money in the world, right? Right, right. So he's the former head of this, whatever the coal mining company was, where 29 people were killed in his plan. He went right. to jail. For what, two years, a year or two years, whatever, yeah. spent time in federal prison, yeah. um, conspiring to cut to to not to, to, to violate safety rules in right. that mine, which cost the life of twenty nine miners. Right. Goes to jail. He is now on probation. Yeah. <laughs> and he's running for the U.S. Senate. Maybe he's got an ankle bracelet. I don't know. You know, yeah. here's a guy. And also, though, he was fined he, by the state for oh. polluting the drinking water of the state of Virginia, and, West and Virginia. One of the reasons he went to prison was because he he didn't pay his fines and didn't obey the law, the federal law. The other thing that this guy did with all his money was he bought, he bought 
a Supreme Court justice because the Supreme Court justice was, you know, was trying to obey, obey the law on, on, on his uh, operation. So this is truly a, a, an unbelievable. So bad Don guy. Blankenship, we should all send him a check, right? We uh, want him to win the primary. Look, you, this is, you know, you got to, you, you know, you're going to go down the list here. But if if we look at at Tennessee, well, now I'm yeah, going to go. go let's go to go Tennessee. Ahead. No, okay. let's go to Tennessee. Bob Corker retires. Everybody, red state Tennessee. We won't have any problem with that seat uh, because Marsha Blackburn, everybody's favorite right wing yeah. Yahoo, right, yeah, right, is running. Right. And then suddenly, the former governor Phil Bradenson, who's very popular, yeah. uh, decides he's going to run right. for U.S. Senate, uh, and that puts Tennessee in play, or does it? It, it certainly does. I mean, right now, Bredesen leads by a wide margin in the polls. I, I mean, that's that's name it's recognition. Early, right. uh, you yeah. know, it's early. I got, we've got that. It's a, it's a conservative state. But look at what Bob Corker said. Yes. Bob Corker, the uh, senator who's retiring in his seat they're going for, he's not going to campaign against Phil Bredesen. In fact, he's really not going to do a lot of campaigning for Marsha Blackburn mm-hmm. either. And the reason he said he's is not. He, he said he's going to vote for her, D- but that's all. D- I'm not even sure he'll do that. He he <laughs> he, 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 he deeply respects Bredesen, thinks he's a very serious guy, very moderate voice. He said, you know, we used to go in, in the back room of, of our houses and work out deals to, to help the people of, of this state. And, and he has a great deal of confidence in Bredesen. Um, you know, I, I sometimes second acts in American politics are very hard, but sometimes they work out very well. Yeah, know, the guy yeah. Richard Nixon seemed to make it. Um, <laughs> I hate to bring him up, but uh-huh. but 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 I think that's a state that we could win. And there's so uh, there's several others that that look okay. good to me. So so West Virginia suddenly could be in play. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Mansion looks that's a keep keeper. Yeah. Um, Tennessee hey, okay. m- might even pick up. I, I want to just interrupt because on that on that note, Corker was on CNN yesterday. I didn't yeah. get a chance to pull this clip. I just play it uh, because Corker was asked by Dana Bash, "Are you going to endorse Marsha Blackburn?" And he kept saying over and over again, "I've donated to the party. I'm going to support whoever the party selects." I, like, didn't outright say, "I am going to support and endorse." Marsha Blackburn. So Dana Bash said, that doesn't sound like much of an endorsement from you. Endorsement of Marsha Blackburn to say that she should be elected just because she's going to vote for Mitch McConnell. Well, um, (laughs) Dana, you know, I'm I'm supporting the nominee. (laughs) Uh, I've worked with the nominee for some time, and and I don't know what else to say. What an endorsement. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. That silence there. I don't know what else to say. It's yeah. just like a literal shrugging of his shoulders. And he yeah. did say, "I'm going to vote for her, but I'm not going to. I won't campaign for her. I won't campaign against, against which means you won't campaign for her. No, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think this. And and the one thing that they cannot afford to do in that state is lose those kinds of Republicans, the yeah, Corker right, Republicans, because right. they're going to be in trouble. And All she's right. shrill. I hate to say yeah. this about, a, you know, that's a sexist, sounds like it, but she really is shrill. I mean, this is a woman that's really hard-edged. You look at her on choice. I think she's going to lose a lot of the uh, women's vote because of the stand. The, the she's stand not she an attractive candidate no. at all. No. I'm not talking about her physical look. I'm just no, saying no, no. Her, her attitude, her whole right, thing right, is really right. hard-edged. Um, now, let's look at Missouri. Yeah. Um, people are calling Claire McCaskill the luckiest woman in politics, right? We always thought that Barbara Boxer was in California because yeah, yeah. she, you know, she got two, right. two pretty weak candidates both times that she ran. Right. Um, 
But Claire McCaskill, same thing, right? right. The last time was the uh, Looney Tunes. Oh. And legitimate rape. Legitimate, yeah, legitimate rape. rape. That was a good uh, What one. was his name, Peter? That Todd, Todd Aiken. Aiken. Todd, Todd Aiken, Aiken, right. right. Uh, so this time, it's not her op- opponent that's causing the problems, but right. the gov- governor of Missouri. And this is going on Eric Gates, and, Gaithen, on Gaithen. and on and on. Yeah. And the, the, the question there is whether people are so sick and tired of the Republicans inability to handle the situation in Missouri that they just sort of abandon it. It's still early in that race. The attorney general who is running against, against Claire McCaskill is trying like heck to take a very cold shower on this one. I mean, he wants he's he calling wants on the governor to, this to resign, resign the whole and, thing. But oh, yeah. but it does it, overshadow the Senate, right? Right. It, it, yeah. it casts this stink well, on the the, over thing, the Republican look, side. You and I have been in this business a long time. This makes it harder to raise money. Yeah. I mean, you know, really? I want to give money to the Republicans in that state right now? Ooh, I don't think so. Right. So, you know, that, so that could make that could make that more of a keeper in, right. in Missouri, right? Right. And, uh, and then you look at um, Arizona and Nevada as yeah. possible. Uh, I mean, Nevada, I think, is a very good chance uh, to pick up that seat. That seems to be the most likely pickup for us, at least it was at the start of this season. Um, Arizona as well. Um, Kirsten Cinema, who is a, just a terrific candidate, very strong. Uh, we did some work uh, on that in that district. She is an amazing candidate. Um, you know, and I don't know, it's terrible, but I mean, you might have two Senate seats up there. I mean, poor John McCain is, yeah, yeah. is in, you know, he went in for another operation. I feel terrible. The guy is. Is uh, you know this is hard brain cancer. Yeah, he but may not. He may he not may, be coming you know, back. But. And then you've got and you've got Texas. That's the oh, big surprise. Yeah. Now you know, uh, five thirty-eight. Uh, Nate Silver said, "Look, folks, uh, you know, you may think how can a Democrat win in Texas, but hold on, these polls are very close. We have a great Democratic candidate in that state, and he's raising a lot of money." And uh, and Cruz is, yeah. I mean, he's wearing thin. I think amongst people. I mean, I wouldn't put it. You know, I mean, that's that'd be amazing. Talk about but, unattractive candidates. Oh, I mean, yeah. nobody likes Ted Cruz, no, right? He's the most no. hated member of the U.S. Senate no. by Republicans and Democrats. And, and I think you know, Montana. John Tester is straight Montana. John right. Tester is totally. a rancher, a farmer. People know him. They like him. You know, they may be that may be a Republican state, but boy, oh boy, if you're going to split your ticket. That's the, that's the kind of guy you're going to split your ticket with. And I think he's raising pretty good money, and he's going to run a strong race. And I wouldn't write off Heidi Heidekamp either in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I think she's running she a great North, She, she fits, fits North, North Dakota. Dakota very well, too. Same kind of thing. Yeah. But the Beto O'Rourke thing in Texas, oh, I man. get— I hear so much around the country yeah. uh, of the, on the people on the beta train. I keep people talking. They're all on the beta. I'm on the beta yeah. train. Listen, beta train. I mean, like, I know all I, over. I, I know that like we shouldn't necessarily look at politics as sport, but if Ted Cruz goes oh, down, God, it'll be. Yeah. I'm going to be so. It'd make happy. a lot of Democrats happy, wouldn't it? It really and a lot of It'd Republicans happy. No, it's just obnoxious. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And Beto, he's a great Beto. He's a great candidate. The way he's going about it, uh, I just, I just love everything I hear about him. He's, uh, he's the best candidate for governor from Texas since um, our friend Kinky Friedman. Oh yeah, That's there you right. go. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and I no, bet Kinky's 
I bet, I'll bet, I'll bet, I'll bet Kinky's campaigning for him. Yeah, he's right. got to be with Beto. He's got to be. He's got to be yeah. with Beto. I hope he has his juice band out there with him. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but if we get a wave, you know, this will take, you know, this to get the House and the Senate, my word, it would yeah. be a wave. But, um, you know, it, it, it seems to me that if the Democrats do this right and if they look. Let all the personal stuff with Trump. It's out there. Everybody knows about it. Don't pull a mistake like the Republicans did in 1998 and think that because people were concerned about Bill Clinton and, and, and Monica Lewinsky that that, may, that was the voting issue. We need to go after this guy on these insane tax cuts that he's put through, on what he's doing internationally with, with, with other countries, on what he's doing, not doing for people. Uh, who are who are working hard, trying to make a living, and ready to cut Social Security and Medicare and ta- and and you know tear our country apart. I mean, I I think we got to. And my point is, base it on substance. Go hard on the substance of the problems that he's creating in this country. Right. Um, the big win, most recent big win, but the big special tomorrow, which is interesting, but going to be tough for Democrats in Arizona. Although uh, it'd be great. I mean, that would yeah. be. Bigger than Pennsylvania. That would be bigger than Pennsylvania. It really would be. But when you look at Pennsylvania 18, um, uh, I was discouraged with some of our uh, progressive friends and, you know, me, uh, proud Bernie bro, that the progressive organizations would not support Connor Lamb because they didn't think he was far left enough in that district. You know, but talk about somebody who fit the district. And by the way, he was no, the Republicans tried to paint him. As another Tea Party member, he was not no, at all. No, no. I mean, but. well, and you know the interesting thing about that, Bill, a lot of my friends, a lot of people, very strong progressives, they went up there, they yeah. campaigned, they went well, door to good door. Good for them. Uh, my na- for my them. neighbor organized a whole group of people. She said, "I'm going to knock on a hundred doors on election day," and you know something? When you have an election that close. That kind of, of, of on the ground stuff makes a huge difference, and yeah. that was that was that was everybody was it was all in on that. And what race. I loved is it was union driven. The unions right. really he brought yeah. them back, yeah. right? Yeah. He brought them home. Yep. And yeah. uh, and they were out there, and they were the they 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 were the heart of his grassroots campaign right. and his uh, and that activism yeah. that that really won yeah. the day. Right? And you know. Oh. He was not threatening. He spoke to their issues, right. and you know, he, for them on things like guns and some of the issues that are hot button. You know, he wasn't going there and wasn't going to be a, a litmus test liberal. And you know, we need to understand that we really do. I mean, we can have our views, and I sure do on a lot of those uh, issues. And I'm on gun control. I'm all in. But but you know, you have to realize that across this country. You know, there are a lot of people who, who have different kinds of views. And, I, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Peter Fenn, he's been around campaigns and helping Democrats uh, win campaigns for, uh, I don't know. Gosh. Yeah, since uh, since, since, uh, since John since... Tyler, I think. Oh, I, I was going to say <laughs> John Adams. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, nobody knows it better than so. I want to know, what is your take on um, big news over the weekend? The Democratic National Committee has filed a lawsuit. Right. Against the right. Trump campaign and uh, and against Russia too, maybe yeah, for the right. hacking of their right. 
of their emails. You know, I'm of two minds on that. On the one hand, as I, we were just talking about, I don't want us to you know, focus on this stuff and get all balled up in, the, in, the, in, in some of the past stuff and the personal stuff. So I get a little jumpy about it. But I'll say— I'll It say, could take away from the efforts to win in 2018. Right. Some people are worried about right? right? But I, the, there are two parts of it that I do like. Number one, I think it will help the party raise money. I think, and, and candidates raise money, because this, this behavior uh, absolutely infuriates Democrats and especially liberals. So, so I think, it, you know, uh, on the money-raising side, it can be good. The other part of this is because of the, the we don't know about the speed of the Mueller investigation. You get into a situation here where, where, where it's not thrown out, where it's not dismissed, and you start discovery. You could find out some very interesting things about Roger Stone, you know, about Manafort, about the team around around uh, uh, Trump and Trump himself. And, you know, some of that stuff could be big news prior to the election. So I get it. But I, I wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't do this at the exclusion of concentrating on the real issues that matter and building the organizations in these districts and states that matter. Yeah. So uh, and, that, and that's what that's what some people are, are concerned about. The other question is. Why now? It's a year and a half later. Right. 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 Why did why not do it a year ago? Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, probably because the DNC didn't have their act together. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I that's know. the honest answer. I guess I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Uh, it, it it does take time too, but still, I think it's uh yeah. Uh, it, but a few lawyers can work on it. It's not like the whole DNC has to spend their, you know, hours and days and weeks on this thing. So, uh, but I, you know, the discoveries part of this could be interesting. It could be very interesting. Right. I uh, have one th- theory on this though, yeah. and that is, we all talk about these big names. I tell you, I think the 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 person in this whole operation. That forget Cohen, forget even Roger Stone, Manafort. This Keith Schiller. Now, no one knows who he is. No one ever talks about that, but you're he right, He's the bodyguard. Yeah. The New York City cop right. who worked for him for, for a, a decade and was with him 24-7. And who left he, why? Well, no one can quite figure that out. A little bit of Kelly, a little, but they were paying legal fees for him. They signed him on for a contract for 2020 to kind of buy him off. This is a cop. This is a guy who knows if you lie before a grand jury, you're going down. This is a guy who obviously was not a happy camper when he got kind of shoved out of, uh, of that White House hmm. position. Is he was he the one a, who delivered to, to Comey yeah, the, the letter. firing letter. Right. He knows everything. And, and, and he's been with Trump since before, way before he was president. He yeah. knows got, literally. Is everything. he a? Uh, is Mueller been talking to him? Do uh, we know? They, he he was up on the hill one time. We don't know about the Mueller stuff. I cannot believe, to be honest, that he that they haven't. He would be one of the folks that you would wait till later. He's because, one of the guys, by the way, that when we talk about the <clears throat> alleged <clears throat> P tape, mm-hmm. that he talks about how he oh, went. He went. Right, he went right. with Trump to Russia, yeah. and he basically says like. I was with him. They had offered him prostitutes. Right. I was with him when he went up to his hotel room. He got and into he his hotel laughing, room. And he was laughing about, uh, you know, imagine that they would yeah. offer me prost- as if I need prostitutes. Yeah. yeah. And, but then he left. 
Yes. So we don't know Trump went into his hotel room and Keith Schiller left. That's, yeah. That was his testimony. And Stormy Daniels went through him. Sure. And, and the Playboy Playmate went through him. That was, you know, they had his cell number. The point I'm making on all this mm-hmm. is that, you know, this is not some dumb stooge here. Yeah, right. This is a guy who knows everything. So, and it's not talked about much. People don't, you know, focus that much on it. Whoa, whoa. That that raises an awful, a lot of possibilities. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, Keith Schiller, come home. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Fenwith is a friend of Bill. We'll take a quick break. And uh, Darren Samuelson from Politico covers the White House for Politico. will be joining us as well all about the big state visit of President Emmanuel Macron of France. We'll be right back. The Bill Press Show. On a Monday, April 23rd. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. And on a Monday, April 23rd, here we are, the Bill Press Show, live again from our nation's capital. And joining you wherever you are in this great land of ours on the radio, on television, and online, coast to coast. We're brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, those good men and women of the Teamsters Union. Under President Jim Hoffa, we all live better because of their good work on many fronts. Check out their website at teamster.org. Peter Fenn, Democratic strategist, here with us as a friend of Bill through the entire hour. Peter, great to be uh, here. We are joined uh, to talk uh, maybe more White House issues by senior White House correspondent for Politico, Darren Samuelson. Hello, Darren. Nice to see you. Welcome. Happy Monday. And gentlemen, we have, and ladies and gentlemen, breaking news right here. Peter? We do. Yeah. We have a baby. We a, baby. a baby. All right. Uh, William and Catherine uh, have welcomed a baby boy. Oh. Yeah, fifth in line to the British throne. We don't have a name yet. They usually wait before they release the name and <laughs> mm-hmm. do all that stuff. Fifth in line. Fifth, yeah, in, fifth line. in line. So there you go. Need a lot of bank shots to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he should count on a crown on his well, head. Well, I was just saying it would be Charles. Don't right. forget, yes. still right. alive, right. <laughs> still hasn't taken still over. Right. Charles, and then William, and then his brother and sister, I guess, and then him. Right? We we'll go down I, that I have line. No, I, I can't keep up with this guy. Because <laughs> I, 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 I think Harry would not would be behind the kids. I think no. We right. stopped officially having to pay attention to that about yeah, 230 yeah, exactly. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's so far off my radar, man. No. I have no clue. I don't clue. need to come across as a royalist. I <laughs> like, get, up, get on your little internet yeah, there I, and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that anymore. No. <laughs> you know, I, I saw somebody make that point the other day, mm-hmm. by the way, off on a tangent, about we should be surprised if, if like, um, so many people today are upset at Washington and upset at government. I mean, that's how we got started, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it started because people were pissed off at the government. And right. So this is sort of a grand American, normal, a grand American tradition. <laughs> if there's one thing Americans are good at; it is complaining. Yes, uh, it is right. Uh, now here we have the first state visit, official state mm-hmm. visit. All these. The heads of state have come through the White House. You and I have seen so many of sure. them. This is what makes this so different. Well, it's at the White House. I mean, we had uh, the Japanese prime minister was down uh, uh, with the president right. in, in his other White House last week in, uh, yeah. in South Florida. The Chinese got a, a full-blown uh, celebration down in Mar-a-Lago as well. So, yeah, it is interesting that this is the first one. It's more than a year 
in. I, I I couldn't remember when the Obama first date dinner was. I have to believe it was within the first year. Um, so yeah, it is a big deal, and, and the fact that they're rolling out the uh, the you know the parade, so to speak, for the French is is definitely notable, given the alliance that the United States has had with France um, on a variety of foreign policy issues. Primarily, they don't see eye to eye on on a lot of domestic uh, issues, so to speak. Uh, climate change jumps out to mind as one that uh, the French president has invited American scientists to come live There's and work over there. Interesting relationship between uh, Macron and Trump, where a lot of European leaders have sort of they don't want anything to do with Trump, and Macron has got almost volunteered to be the the Trump go go to go, person, yeah. and I think that the notion for a lot of uh, French is that is that he can uh, talk his uh, language a little bit and convince him, for example, on Iran, not to really go south, and maybe even on on some of the climate change issues because they're both viewed as kind of outsiders, and uh, and and I think Macron is a very skillful. Uh, personal, interpersonal uh, uh, type, and and that plays, of course, to the ego of Trump. And so I, that's, I think that's he's, he's, it seems that he's learned how to speak to Trump where others haven't, which yeah. is flatter, flatter, flatter. <laughs> flatter, flatter, flatter. <laughs> uh, we'll see Merkel coming in later this week. I believe she's here on Friday, mm. and um, so there will be another yeah. you know round of of leaders. She does not get the. Uh, the treatment the of the state, state dinner. dinner. <laughs> now, hopefully, she got a handshake hopefully this time. Handshake. You know, that would be uh, nice. You know? <laughs> uh, Unlike last time. Uh, and, you know, it's their prerogative, but the uh, president this time has decided for this state dinner it's going to be not one of the great big tented affairs out on the South Lawn like the Obama specialized in, but mm-hmm. uh, contained in the state dining room, the traditional 150 people. Interesting. Uh, you know, that no Democrats know. in Congress, invi- <laughs> no, no Democrats at all invited, and no members of the media. Right. Did you get an invitation? I take it. Okay. I did not. Yeah. No. But usually Shocking. there are, must have Shocking. blown off the porch, Bill. Usually there are a few members of the media and <laughs> and Democratic congressional leaders, anyhow, just to I, show. I don't know, but are there any celebrities of French? Uh, and no Hollywood celebrities. No Hollywood celebrities, yeah. 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 C-SPAN, can they let C-SPAN cover it? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a joke, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, meanwhile, you've been reporting a lot on the, on, the, on the Russian front. So now we've got the Russian front. And the Michael Cohen front, which are not exactly one and the same, but they are related, aren't they? And the big question is, will Michael Cohen, as he once said, take a bullet for the president? (laughs) What's Uh, your take? Yeah, they are interrelated. Let's start with Michael Cohen taking a bullet for the president. Sure. Michael Cohen taking a bullet for the president. Um, The president obviously said this week on the uh, the Twitters uh, that uh, um, he went after the New York Times for its version of the story about... Yeah. Whether Michael Cohen would flip, I will say Politico had a story two days before the Times pointing out this exact same scenario. Michael Cohen, um, we don't know if he's going to be charged, but he has certainly been under investigation for for months now, we learned, from the federal government in in the pleadings that are going on Mm. up in New York. So this just didn't didn't start. It didn't just start. No, Michael Cohen, it's interesting. If you read the filings that the Justice Department uh, submitted to the uh, U.S. District Court in, in New York, and they're actually fighting right now with... Michael Cohen's lawyers and President Trump's lawyers over whether the information, all the documents that were seized in that FBI raid are going to be reviewed mm-hmm. by um, the Trump lawyers first or whether the Justice Department will get a look at those. But when you read through that Justice Department filing, you do learn that Michael Cohen, in fact, has been under investigation for months. And it talks a little bit about the interaction between Michael Cohen and his lawyers and the special counsel going back in the fall 
where basically uh, the special counsel was trying to get transcripts from Michael Cohen's interviews with Congress. Uh, Con- Michael Cohen mm-hmm. had been in and, and been interviewed by, I believe, it was the House Intelligence Committee and also the Senate Intelligence Committee. And behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to share that information with Special Counsel Mueller. And there was a breakdown over that, I believe. And, and then things just kind of went silent for several months. And then Cohen's raid uh, happens, uh, what, now almost two weeks ago, I think it was, or maybe three weeks yeah. ago. Um, so, yeah, we were in a very live situation where, you know, if, if, if the when that when that uh, evidence is reviewed, uh, which will, you know, obviously not be something that you or I are going to necessarily get to know what, what they find. But that's where the alarm is. And that's where the flip question comes in. Uh, President Trump is uh, clearly alarmed. He's been quite upset. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, banging the furniture or something. But it sounds like as you talk to uh, you know, people around his orbit, genuine concern that he could flip uh, and become a state witness. And, and really the question, I guess, is, you know, what are the crimes and how much of a penalty is Michael Cohen looking at? I had a quote in my story. Um, asking whether Michael Cohen was two years loyal, which he probably is one or two years loyal. Like, he would go to jail for one or two years. Mm. But is he 15 years loyal? Is he 25 (laughs) years loyal? Is he life in prison loyal? I don't know. Stephen Colbert did a a riff on my story uh, last week and and had fun with that quote that uh, was Mm. in my piece. Um, So clearly, I think that is the big question, is, is, you know, as Cohen looks at the possibility of criminal indictments and how... You know, far longer. And this could be coming up here. Let me just uh, uh, get your point. But um, Michael Avenatti, who has been having, uh, who is Stormy Daniels' attorney, her second attorney, her new attorney, um, has been having a lot of fun poking the bear, so to speak, you know, with with Michael Cohen. And he he says that things could be coming down pretty soon here. He, he, He was talking, I forget where he was yesterday in one of the shows. I believe the indictment will be issued within the next 90 days, but if it's not issued in the next 90 days, that doesn't mean it's not going to be issued. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. coming down. Peter, well, right? the question I was going to ask was, it seems that Cohen was really kind of on the outside the last 15 months, and he thought maybe he'd get into this administration, then talk in your story. He wanted to it, be White House counsel. Well, right. He thought, it, but at the very least, he was going to get inside that building. And, and you know, Trump, as he always does, is very degrading and, and nasty and, 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 and putting him down like he made paid too much for his real estate and stuff like that. I mean, he constantly was sticking it to him. So you wonder a little bit uh, about whether that is kind of, those chickens are coming home to roost. What is your thought on that? There is certainly something to be said for the way the president has treated Michael Cohen publicly and, and behind closed doors. But I, I, they've been in touch. I mean, they, yeah. they had dinner at Mar-a-Lago a couple weeks ago. President called him. I think right. it was the Friday after the raid, while his lawyers and the president's lawyers. But were, last weekend, he tweeted out, uh, you yeah. know, praising him and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, crazy that he's going to great flip. family. I mean, yeah. he knows also, they, they've been together for a dozen years. Um, Michael Cohen was working in the Trump Tower, you know, until mm-hmm. inauguration day, and then he moved over very briefly to the Kasowitz law firm, and then uh, after that, he landed at uh, the most recent law firm. Forgive me, I'm forgetting the name of. of where he was for some period of time. There was a large publicity uh, about, about Patton his partnerships. Yeah. Patton Boggs, thank yeah. you. Yeah. There was also that weird thing last week or the week before where Donald Trump was asked about the Stormy Daniels stuff on the airplane, and he goes, you'll have to talk to my attorney, my right. attorney. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about it, and she didn't give a definitive answer as to whether or not Michael Cohen was still Donald Trump's mm-hmm. attorney. He, he is, isn't he? He is one of many. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you, can, come, you right. can come and you can go as a Trump attorney. Like there, Jay Goldberg was uh, shows up last week in the Wall Street Journal. Um, he's a former Trump attorney from, I believe, the 70s and 80s who helped him on the divorce 
cases. Um, and he is the one who uh, told the Wall Street Journal that he had given the advice to President Trump on the same Friday that President Trump talked to Michael Cohen, that on a scale of one to 100, whether you can believe that Michael Cohen is loyal, one being not loyal, 100 being absolutely loyal, he said not even a one. So Jay Goldberg kind of yeah, kind of comes back into the picture as a former one. Not even a one. Not even a one. <laughs> Warning Trump, hey, you know, yeah. be very careful with this guy. Uh, so, I mean, again, like I've, I've been covering Trump for, you know, now the duration of his presidency. There are a lot of lawyers who have helped him on a myriad of issues. A lot of them have nothing to do with criminal defense. I mean, these are real estate lawyers. These are, you know, mm-hmm. divorce lawyers, <laughs> um, uh, First Amendment lawyers, um, but not really criminal defense, which is why the Rudy Giuliani hire on uh, last mm-hmm. week yeah. was so interesting. Yeah. And, and what can Rudy Giuliani do, mm-hmm. right? Other than go on cable TV. He is definitely a cable TV guy. You know, he does have the ties. The, this was something the Trump people were pointing out to me uh, last week. To Robert Mueller, for whatever they're worth. I mean, they did work together in the Justice Department during the Reagan era. So they go back there. They also, if you look at the pictures from 9-11, you know, they're the ones standing at ground zero. Rudy Giuliani as the mayor of New York, Robert uh, Mueller as the brand new FBI director under President Bush. So they did help with the, you know, immediate response and dealing with the aftermath of 9-11. So they have that connection, whether that matters in any way, shape, or form in the course of negotiations. I have a hard time believing it. It, it, it looked to me, Peter, like this is Donald Trump one more time, Joe DeGeneva, uh, other, and other cases where he sees somebody, Larry Kudlow, he sees him on television, he likes him, uh, and he says, you're hired. I know. I know. It's really terrifying, actually. I mean, <laughs> you know, he doesn't vet. Uh, a lot of these people uh, certainly didn't vet DeGeneva, and then he met with him in, th- in Victoria Tins. You know, okay, a little bit of a conflict, but that's not the problem. The problem no. was he thought, uh-oh, this guy's not a killer. He wants killers. He sees someone on TV, he thinks they're a killer. He meets with them, oh, they're not killers, to use his great <laughs> phrase. I mean, I mean, that's my take on it. Well, we'll see what Scary. Rudy, what 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 he can bring. He's certainly not going to be like the lead attorney, is he? I um, mean, you know, Giuliani. I think Trump is the lead attorney. <laughs> that is, yeah. I mean, that is kind uh, of I, what it was looking no, like in right. the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you know, he's going to have he has Jay Sekulow, who you know Ooh, sits in right. a in a position like you does radio on uh, every day. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Jay is their their point man for the media. He's their point man for sort of public strategizing. Um, you know, Ty Cobb is there in the White House, but he has right. a very confined role to White House operations. He doesn't have attorney-client privilege mm-hmm. like other attorneys representing the president. Would McGahn right. quit over this? Would, Would he... Don McGahn quit? Yeah. Don McGahn's not handling Russia anymore. Right. I did a story about, I think it was right before the, uh, it was in March, that he does want to go. Yeah. He wants to leave the White yeah. House and yeah. go back to um, uh, Jones Day and perhaps even work on the campaign again and do the sort of mm-hmm. Trump reelect. Um, but he does also, you know, has overseen a lot of regulatory overhauls. He's right. he's, he's got his name on uh, the judges, and he's been mm-hmm. very proud of, you know, all the conservative judges they put in. Uh, you know, if there was a Supreme Court opening, and, you know, that would clearly be like his last hurrah, perhaps, mm-hmm. before uh, leaving. If it, And I don't know right. if we're, when, and, when and if we would get that signal if there was going to be one. All right. Which is a bigger threat to Donald Trump, the Michael Cohen investigation or the Robert Mueller investigation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they see Cohen and Stormy and where that is going as being the bigger threat. Robert Mueller, though, is a you know is is Stormy. You're you're equating Stormy with the Cohen. Yeah, I mean the Cohen because raid it would be a, like a cover up of the money paid. It or? certainly seems like a you know one of many. If there's other women, um, it's it seems like that's where the, I think the Trump people at this point realize the political pressure is is potentially most dangerous. Though they do quickly merge together once. 
you know, that evidence decision is made by the judge in New York, mm-hmm. um, you know, then the Justice Department is looking at this evidence. If they see things in there that Robert Mueller should get his hands on, you know, they're going to give them to him. And, you know, they merge together in the same way that they kind of stay separate in the in the in the New York versus uh, D.C. confines. I mean, remember, Paul Manafort has actually got a trial coming right. up in Virginia right. and then a trial in, in Washington soon thereafter. And there are so many balls in the air on Mueller. This thing can go so many different directions from, you know, Russian, uh, you know, espionage and collusion and how the emails got into the hands of the Republicans, um, to, excuse me, to WikiLeaks, to uh, the Manafort stuff and where that leads to, uh, you know, whether the president himself is the subject of an indictment is a big question that people have. And then, you know, does he put forward impeachment uh, recommendations to Congress? So, so I don't know whether you uh, were nearby when in the, the last half hour. We were ending up, and Peter made the point that the person we haven't heard from who may end up being really critical in this whole thing, you might make the point again, is? Keith Schiller, yeah, his bodyguard who was with him 24-7 for a decade and who seems to know everything. Um, you know, it seems to me that there's enough out there that, 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 that you're all looking at. What is the breaking point here for some Republicans? In other words, when will they say, oh, God, I can't do this any longer? <laughs> now, maybe it's after the election, could be if, if this stuff gets crazy before the election. But if you get a Keith Schiller at the, you know, and, and suddenly he's up before a grand jury testifying and he knows what the penalties are for lying before a grand jury and he starts to spill uh, and this stuff starts to, to come out. I mean, I don't know. You know. The dam could break. That's yeah. the question. Keith I don't Schiller know. is an interesting uh, individual, um, you know, and we don't know. You know, I mean, reporters are staked out up at the grand jury <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, I don't think that he's <laughs> is been. That right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Just There's, watching who's going in and out. Trying to. You know, there are yeah. multiple entrance points and you can only see so much. Um, you need five or six reporters so, to be up there from so, one organization. No, no, yeah. So Mueller has a grand jury like in, impaneled every day? Um, it seems like two to three days a week that they've been most likely meeting. It's we don't know for really? sure. Definitely so that's Friday. That's ongoing. All yeah, this I mean, think about the Sam Numberg visit, which was, gosh, you know, remember that back in February or March. Mm-hmm. That was on a Friday. Um, we have seen other people go in on Fridays. Uh, you know, so many of these people are not easily recognizable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if Keith Schiller shows up, I oh, think we yeah. would we would know. Yeah, or, you know, he's a big guy. He's a very big guy. <laughs> yeah, and he would yeah. be recognizable. Huh. But there are others that okay. you don't know. Sorry. But um, you know, I mean, I think. Keith Schiller is one example, but Hope Hicks is another, oh. you know, and she has been up to test, excuse me, to uh, to be interviewed by Robert Mueller, um, mm. I believe on two occasions back in the in the end of 2017. Now she's out of the White House and um, I'm sure getting some sleep yeah. and getting back to her. Right. Uh, so um, how secure in their jobs are um, Rod Rosenstein, <laughs> Robert Mueller mm. uh, and Jeff Sessions? It depends on the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, 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 you know, we've been at this, I, I say in our newsroom, we've been at this DEF CON for, <laughs> I'd say 10 or 15 times in the last year and a half where it feels like it's going to happen. You know, we write the same sort of, you know, stories, who would mm-hmm. take over Saturday at Massacre, right. Reprise, all this kind of stuff. And then it kind of tempers back down again. Um, it seems like we're kind of back on a downswing. Yeah. But then the Post did, re- you know, it's reporting over, I think it was Friday, uh, saying that, that Sessions had offered to, re- or told Don McGahn, I'd re- I-, I will quit if you fire Rod Rosenstein. And that's sort of a remnant of the week 
before, which was the day, remember, Rod Rosenstein went into the White House and had a meeting with Donald right. Trump, which was very unusual. Um, and, you know, they said it was over document production was what we were told, which Rosenstein is under all this pressure to hand over critical underlying materials to Congress um, as they do their oversight, they say, of, of the investigation. So, you know, I guess it just depends from week to week. I think as this thing gets closer and closer to the president, that's when this stuff rises up and we start to hear more and more. I of mean, the, if Sessions were to quit, yeah, that'd be a BFD. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he would if not a constitutional crisis, right. you know, and it's hard to believe that, you know, you're hearing that, you know, from a lot of folks, you know, who probably were not that thrilled when Jeff Sessions took the job in the first place. <laughs> um, but he is, uh, you know, obviously, if Jeff Sessions leaves, it'd be very difficult to get another attorney general confirmed um, in this current political environment. Right. So that puts you into an acting capacity. And who do you bring in? There'd been a lot of talk of Scott Pruitt coming over from EPA. <laughs> He's got his own problems these days. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, obviously, if you He never get confirmed. No. As, no. He, as attorney general, he right. barely got confirmed, I believe, yeah. as EPA administrator. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. The latest stuff coming out in Oklahoma is yeah. private deals and the money that he's taken. And, the, oh, my God, this guy, I think, is, is on borrowed time. Yeah. If he were not wrecking the environment every day, he would have been fired like David, uh, David Shulkin or, uh, or Tom Price. Right, right. Oh, yeah. uh, but, Peter, you were talking earlier about what we be, might be the break, the breaking point for some Senate Republicans to do the Barry Goldwater number with Richard Nixon, right? right? right. To do that with Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions either getting might, fired or resigning might be might be. Might well, be. Lindsey Graham did famously say, I think it was last oh, yeah. uh, last fall, he, it would be the beginning of the end of the presidency. Yeah, he's repeated that several yeah. times too. I mean, he's pretty serious about it. I. And and then what you have is a grinding to a halt of things, as if they're not pretty much grinding to a <laughs> right. halt now. Right. But you can't, I mean, you know, Pompeo probably will make it at the end of the week, from what I gather, won't make it out of the committee because... Uh, off, but off the floor. But yeah. Uh, you, you, With yeah, some Democratic uh, votes. Well, it looks like you've got Heidi Heidekamp who said she's going to vote for him. So, but it could be 50, I mean, you know when I, 50... Really? You want to convert I mean, you know, that's not good. Mm -hmm. And and then things start to fall apart. I mean, you know, the Veterans Administration, how's this thing going to play out? Will, it, will he just withdraw his name? Will he go forward yeah. with it? Who the heck knows? I mean, there's just so much. And they have a presidential personnel office, which is in, totally incompetent. I mean, they seem to have, spend more time having drinking games than they do, you know, conf, you know, vetting people. So, you know, you, you have a situation, I think, which is unprecedented in terms of of the, the total incompetence. You mentioned uh, that the Republicans watching this, the Comey investigation and now the Comey book, I mean the Mueller investigation and Comey's role in it. So one of the things they thought, well, we can get ahead of the game here. Let's and uh, demand that DOJ release the Comey memo so we can actually <laughs> see the actual memos. And Rod Rosenstein did release <laughs> the, yeah. the memo. How did that work out? Well, we got to see. I mean, when I was reading through them, I'm like, okay, I've I've, I've heard all of these anecdotes over the course of the last year and a half. You know, from, was there anything new? Um, was there anything new? I mean, th between the lines, I think there was a couple of new things. You you got to see chronologically it play out in a way that, you know, you couldn't quite make out from James Comey's testimony back last uh, last year. Um, or as you, well, it didn't undercut anything. No, that it, it, was it upheld saying, his it? credibility and everything that he had been telling us previously. So it did backfire on the Republicans in that respect. You know, they want to see a lot of other material too. I mean, you know, we went through the the a lot over the over the 
the Nunez memo back in geez, January, February. Oh, yeah. That all ble- yeah, bleeds together. Right. But you know, that it was, was a back- it was seventy five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a different royal British royal. Like, yeah, right. You know. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean a lot of the Republican attempts to try and undercut the investigation through documents has not worked out to uh, to their benefit. Um, I think they wanna I think they actually have been shown uh, some of the underlying uh, Rosenstein materials that that lead to the appointment of Robert Mueller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is tricky stuff for the Justice Department to be releasing. And I saw a story over the weekend about yeah. the, the precedent <clears throat> that could be broken here in terms of, you know, DOJ handing over materials to uh, to Congress that, you know, are but part of an active But it seemed like Rosenstein was almost calling their bluff. He's saying, right, all right, mm-hmm. you want to see this stuff? Oh, mm-hmm. here it right, is. right. I mean, this is, and this was an attempt by... Republicans to try and lay some groundwork to help the president if he did want to fire Rosenstein was saying, look, he's not response. He's not responding to congressional oversight. Mm, right. And mm-hmm. Rosenstein, yeah, indeed, called their bluff. He's got a he's got a big day today. He's arguing a case before the Supreme Court. Rod Rosenstein is um, for uh, on behalf of the administration. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating uh, twist mm. to uh, to twist yeah. things. You, you think that, the, that we have a lot of balls in the air, right? Yeah. That we're juggling all the time. <laughs> like Imagine this guy. I'm not telling you. Well, uh, great conversation, friends. Thank you so much for coming in. Peter. Thanks. Friend of Bill for the entire hour. Thanks sure. so much. Enjoyed it. I think this is your first visit to the show. Uh, I was no. here probably six months ago. I think sure. I was with John Allen once. Uh, I, I got it. Guest, okay. Guest well, nice to see you. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Right. Uh, and you can follow Dan.